Episode 188, Hella Bass, Bass Fishing Podcast. Special guest, John Sukup, back for a visit, talking about his tough rookie year 2023 Bassmaster Elite Series and what his plans are to rebound and come back stronger than ever as the biggest dark horse in Bassmaster Elite Series history. Check it out. This week, the Hell of Ass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. So many, many anglers spend their entire career or a good chunk of their career trying to make the Bassmaster Elite Series. And some of them go on to great things, have big rookie seasons. Uh, everything goes as planned, but sometimes it doesn't go as planned. And uh, what do you do when your rookie season goes a little worse than expected? And uh, how do you how do you resolve that and go forward? And so we're going to bring uh, in a, a guest here and we're going to talk about that. Welcome, John. How's it going? Great, man. Thanks for the softballs about saying how uh, it didn't go quite as I planned my rookie year. <laughs> that's a, that's the understatement of the century in the, in, the, in the fishing world. Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, John Sukup, uh, for those who don't know, uh, joined us tonight. Actually, a return guest. It was probably about two years ago, the first time I think I had Jan. And I think you were... I think you had you were just coming off your first season on the MPFL and going into fishing all nine of the Opens. Right, right before you went into the fishing all the opens, I think Does that sound right. That sounds that sounds right, man. But uh, even greater than that, as far as you and I, uh, yeah. it's always special to see you because we have a connection where we were uh, we parked right next to each other. The boat draws next to each other, however you say it, at the Bass Nation National Championship. I don't remember what year that was uh, that we did that, but I know you have a better memory than I do, so you you'll probably know exactly when it was. <laughs> Yeah, 2014. That was the one uh, Paul Mueller won. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's 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 neat. It's it's always really neat when you experience uh, the growth of going through the grassroots program all the way up to the top level. But when you have a memory that you get to share with somebody else who's grown in the fishing world. Uh, when I say grown in the fishing world, we all have an amazing passion for fishing, for little green fish, chasing them around. And to find someone that's like-minded like that, that you, you can share some some growth, if you will, uh and it's 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 even uh it's even more exciting you know yeah absolutely we were uh i don't know yeah it seems like i mean almost seems long i mean i was gonna say it's like nine years ago but it almost feels longer i usually don't say that the time flies but it actually feels like longer than that ago at that point I, don't know. I, I know i had a lot more hair on my head and i think you had a lot less lower units if i remember right or or, or the not lower units, bottom of the boat <laughs> The lower unit was actually the uh, six foot gash I put in the bottom of my dad's nineteen yeah. foot tree at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, so we we've got to know each other over the years. Yeah, because we were we were boatyard compadres, I guess. Uh, at that one, neither one of us had the tournament we wanted to have. Uh, congratulations to Paul Mueller. That was his springboard into the elites, and you know, honestly, if I remember correctly, Paul Mueller didn't come out of the gate super hot. 
in his elite series first couple of years. And I think he was probably at a point at some point where he was kind of like, eh, am I coming back? Am I not? And he's, he's kind of now turned the corner and he's got a couple of blue trophies and I mean, he's an established veteran. So that's you know, it's the segue uh, there into the <laughs> back into the darkness. <laughs> so yeah. Paul and I talked uh, this winter on the phone and, and I didn't ask him about his rookie year. I mean, it'd be interesting to find out. I, I really do believe that nobody has had as bad of a year and I'm a statistical guy. Um, I love stats. It helps me function in life. I had as bad of a year as I had in the first year and then come back in like become a Gerald Swindle. I don't think it's actually ever happened. So I know that the statistics are way against me. And so I got it written right up there. You know, that's why I feel like I am the greatest underdog in elite series history. I mean, there's, um, so I've got, I've got my work cut out for me. I've got to be a different fisherman than I was uh, last year. And so there is a lot that goes along with that because, you know, you don't want to overcorrect, but you also want to make corrections. So, you know, balancing that out, finding out where you're at um, in your personal life, in your work life, um, all these things, you know, affect you um, when it comes to being on the water. Last year was a, a super tough year for me outside uh, on being on the water. And, and, and if I didn't catch fish for like five minutes, my mind was off in the never, never land dealing with issues and stuff of that nature. So, um, but back to, back to Paul Mueller, the conversation with him, um, he did tell me that really the only thing that he's chasing right now in the elites, he's accomplished everything he wants is to win a classic. That's all he wants right now. That's a neat place to be. That would be, I would love for five years from now, we have another podcast and I have that. And I, if, if I ever get to that point where I'm like, all I want is a classic, I've already made it. Then, you know, it's, it's weird to be so close to work your entire life to have an opportunity to fish at this level and you make it there. And yet you're so far away. Like I'm so close yet. I'm so far away. It's, it's, it's a really odd feeling. So for people that aren't in the stats and don't know, uh, right. So you, you started out your rookie year with a hundredth place finish. Uh, on Triple the digits. Series, which I think <laughs> there's only supposed to be a hundred, but with uh, medical and legend exemption, there was, there was one Oh four. So honestly, from an average standpoint, there's not much mm. worse that you can, you can put up for next year, which means mm. basically you're under, you have to be, you know, all the formulas, whatever you have to be in the top 70. Cause if, if you're in the top mm -hmm. 70, that saves you, right? So yeah, uh, that's the minimum threshold for next year. Like anything 71st or below, you're almost certainly not requalifying for your third year. Yeah, that's how it works. A lot of people want to uh, they, they want to know how it works exactly. They think you get a free year in year one, and it's not necessarily a free year. You're that's just free. safe. <laughs> yeah, you just can't get out, but it still goes against you for your 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 lifetime average. So after year two, um, which next you know next year is my year two. Um, I'm, I'm open for being cut. And what happens is in the top 70, so 70th place, like literally 70th place, which I think that was Frank Talley this year or above, you're safe. You, you can, you have another year to continue. So as long as I continue finishing 70th or above, um, I'm good. And I know a lot of people think, oh, well, that's, you know, you should be able to do that. But, you know, we can talk about what that actually means after this, but, um, uh, everybody from 71st down to that 100th or 103 or whatever, you know, exemption spot, they then in turn get judged based off of their lifetime average. And for every five years you fish, you get to drop a score for every five years. So 
Yeah. And so obviously uh, we kind of talked last week a little bit, setting this show up and things, but you know, obviously 70th is like the bare minimum, but obviously you'd like to get a lot higher than 70th so that you're not right back. Cause if you finish 70th, you're literally do or die again in year three, because you got nothing to average. Like, right. If, if you go hundredth, 70th and you're 71st in your third year, you're gone. You're like, <laughs> so you, mm-hmm. you almost need to put up some, some 30, 40, 50s to start getting that average where you're not looking over your shoulder the whole time. Oh man. Qualifying for the, um, for the classic would be 100% be the goal. And, yeah. uh, if I can, if I can have an above 50 average for the next four years and make it, you know, then that fifth year that I'm there, I could forget about it this hundredth year season because that score will be dropped and I'll basically become a new man on the, on the elite series, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I just sure. don't want to forget too far. Tonight's Hellabass Live is presented by Arsenal Fishing and boosted by Powerhouse Lithium. Don't want to forget about that. People supporting the show. We just got right into it and just started talking fishing. I forgot for a second there. Uh, yeah. yeah. A few comments here. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Paul, actually, yeah, that was the, the yeah. Bass Nation. He qualified for that classic. He didn't qualify early on for the classic through the elites. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't think that that's. Is it still a record? Is it still the record bag? It might be I the one, it, day? one day. One day, yeah, one day record bag. Yeah, maybe that was a Gunnersville grass chatterbait. Yep, and Sorry. he only caught like three or four small keepers on day one, and he ended up like losing the classic by like a pound. So if he just would have got <laughs> yeah. one more fifteen incher yeah. on day one, he would have won the yeah. classic. Yeah, man, you know, uh, you know we. Or don't let me talk over you if you if you have some more stuff to share. But uh, based off of some of our conversation that we had, it's it's a rare thing um, to look back. It's an odd thing, I guess you should say, to look back and 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 to realize, man, with such a bad year I had, and it, and, it, and man, I felt like the worst year. I did not fish like I was myself. I was kind of an out of body fishing experience, if you will. Lots of things that I need to get control of and fish differently. A lot of a lot of mistakes that I made mentally that. T- I knew I was making them. You know what I mean? I knew I was making them. And, and 10 years ago, I wouldn't even, I, I had already learned that lesson. Don't fish that way. Um, with all that being said, at the end of the season, I looked back at my stats and I was only 20 points per event away from being in that 70th place spot. Uh, and that's, that's quite a, you know, that's quite a bit. But uh, with that, you know, with all that being said, three of the events, I was one pound away from being in the top 50. And, two others i was three pounds away and we're talking about three you know a couple day events um from being that so i was really on the verge while i was fishing at the worst i've ever fished in my life um so i know that the potential is there we got to turn quite a few things around but the unique thing that's about this is i was curious i said well because just like through the thought process that you had okay um 70th is good but 40th is way better so what is the difference between that 70th place cut and then making a classic cut in 40th place. And do you have any idea? I don't know if I shared this with you or not. Do you know what that spread per event is from 70th place to 40th place? Probably like 20 points an event or so. Or it's only like 10. Hmm. And you think about the fine line. And I've talked to a lot of people through throughout the year and, and, and talking about how tight the elites are getting and how good they are from the bottom to the top. Um, and it becomes a lot like NASCAR, man. Like these guys that are finishing, yeah, they're always winning the race, but they're only seconds ahead of the guy that's in the back. It's so tight. So the difference next year between me qualifying for the classic and getting cut off the elites 
it's going to be about a 10 point average per event. So every fish, every ounce is going to count more than anything. And that's the mentality that I took on after the elites were over that I started to reapply back to my fishing that I'd gotten away from. And I, and I decided to jump in the, the remainder opens for the year to try to get back on track fishing with that mentality. And, and, you know, that mentality, I felt like I was fishing again as myself again. And, and I'm, I'm really glad that I spent that time to first that there was opportunity to fish the opens and, and get in, but just uh, get, get more reps on the water, you know? So I think this is the kind of the, a lot of people a little bit to get into it. And this, this Hunter's question here, how does he catch himself good in the opens and struggle in the elites? And so it's interesting, right? Because you came off essentially dominating upper echelon of the MPFL, which in the beginning, it wasn't the most stacked field in the wheel, but you you were taking care of business, putting up trophies, winning cash and checks every event. You go into the uh, the Opens, you take care of business, you make the Elites. At the end of the Elite season, you, you get two top tens in Opens, and then the Elites sandwich in the middle, and how does it go so awry, right? I guess that, and you're probably asking yourself the same question. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of and kind of not. Uh... So I was asked by one of the McKinney boys, and I can't remember the difference. And if it's Tristan, I think Tristan McKinney is the taller of the two that didn't qualify. The least. He he asked me in the lock. I'm sorry. Sounds right. Yeah, he asked me in the lock, and, and he was he was super polite about it. There was a bunch of people in there, and he said, "Hey man, I, why is it that you come into these opens and 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 do so well, and yet you know?" He was kind of being nice and polite about it, but basically, but you, you you do horrible in the elites. And I was about to make an excuse. I really was. Um, and I have plenty of excuses. Uh, a hardships from the beginning of the year through through the elites. A lot of stuff. I mean, a, a huge list. Maybe we talk about it, maybe we don't. Of, of events that occurred that just had my mind somewhere else. Um, in my heart, too, uh, beyond that. Uh, but But then I stopped and I thought, you know what? There is a difference. And the main difference is, I told him, I said, you know, when I jump in an open, I don't think about anybody I'm fishing against. I don't even care. Like, oh, there's Greg Hackney. I think it's cool, but I don't think about him at all. All I'm thinking about the fish, I'm at peace. I enjoy what I'm doing. I enjoy the open. I enjoy the grind. I enjoy all those boats out there. I don't know what it is about it. It just reminds me more of what I'd always dreamed about doing was being a part of something of that. So I feel at home. Now, when I'm the feeling that I had when I was on the elites this last year was the complete opposite. Man, I don't know. I was just thinking about everybody else and anything else besides, you know, just finding the fish. And um, I'm going to try to do my best to hone that same mentality into the elites. I, I don't think it's just as easy said than done, but I think there's uh, some precautionary things in advance and some preparation things and some emotional, mental things that go go into that that I need to just, you know, be self-aware and, and, and keep myself. Um, one, I fish, uh, I fish a lot better when I'm having fun, make sure that I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And that, that even goes down to make sure that I'm fishing the way that I enjoy to fish. I mean, just from top end to bottom, I need to, I need, this could be my last season on the elites. It very well could be. And, you know, it's a dream of mine. I never thought I was even going to have this opportunity 20 years ago that, um, and my first word was fish. I grew up, that's all I wanted to do when I was a kid, fish, 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 fish. So to have this opportunity and not be enjoying myself is really, honestly, it's a sad, a sad thing. And, and, and shame on me for being that way. And I don't want that to be, uh, 
my last year in the league. If, if this next year is my last year, I want to start the year having conversations with hella bass, enjoying bass fishing, talking about all things. Because believe it or not, whatever people said on the internet, I can still catch a dang green fish, man. <laughs> I may be in place 100, but you better watch out if I come up to your local jackpot. I mean, that's just the way it is. And that is a difference on the elites, guys. I mean, I 100% when I'm in the opens, I give everybody their praise. I clap and I and I support and I tell everybody how great they are as a fisherman. And I and we mean it. But if you haven't been there, don't believe the hype when they say, hey, these guys at the slow, all these guys at the lower level are the same as the elites. Because it's just flat not the truth. There are guys, portions of guys, per, one percenters at that lower level that that can make it at the top level if given the opportunity. But they still have to be trained. They have to be ready. Like they can't, There's very few that can just jump on and start whooping tail. Very, very few percentage-wise. The guys at the elite level on the elites that are there right now are the greatest fishermen that you'll ever meet. And that is that is just a fact. I I did not fish that bad a lot of time on my weights. The elite guys just fished that good, and they just they kicked the snot out of me. And um, I really wasn't prepared for the fact that thinking, oh, well, I just need to beat one and two guys, and I'll be in top 50 and get $10,000 check and go home. And, dude, there just is no weakness in those guys. So this is a good point here. Mark Edwards brings up David Williams phenomenal Bassmaster opens record. Every time he goes back, he literally win. It seems like he pretty much wins the AOI in a division and comes back to the elites and struggles in the elite series. So that, that's kind of an interesting point by Mark. Um, so it's not completely unheard of. Um, yeah. And I love David Williams. He's like one of the greatest guys, super quiet, humble guy, man of faith, like just would do no wrong to anybody. Um, if there was somebody to root for when he was, I mean, he's, that was last year was his last year. He would have been one of them to, to root for. And I, I think that if he was sitting here with us, he may say something similar to, to the mindset thing of how, when he was at the regional level, he didn't, he didn't think about anybody else. I, I think that he'd probably say the same thing. So one of the things uh, people seem to pick up on, whether it was your videos or Hallman's videos, um, didn't like you said, didn't seem like you guys were having a ton of fun towards the end of the year. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, did you, do you think you guys were kind of like feeding off each other in a negative way, or do you guys? Uh, how do? How was? I mean, obviously you guys are good buddies and, and that kind of stuff, but like, um, maybe speak on that a little bit. Man, you know. Uh... That's a hard one because if I have any regrets, the biggest regret that I have last year is that I couldn't have been more of a help to my buddy Brad and that, that ended up being his last season. So that's kind of almost an emotional question for me because I'm all in on Brad. I'm all in to help him on everything I could and to think that the things that I had going on in my life or the negativity that was surrounding me could have negatively impacted him. And surely it did. Um, that sucks, man. That's that's uh that's almost something i don't even i can't even swallow to think about to be honest with you so um but but our conversations were uplifting with each other i don't think we ever tried to discourage each other even when we were dealing with our stuff um bradley was going through some stuff too that was off the water that um he told me early in the season mid-season that this was going to be his last year so it wasn't a decision that he just made at the end of the season he he knew it already, and um, at least it was already 
thinking like he was running those scenarios and like <laughs> he's like if this doesn't yeah yeah, yeah and I've, I've never met bradley's such a man of his word that when he spoke it out loud the first time he said it my only response was well man let's try to end the season have as much fun as possible and, and maybe maybe lightning will strike for you i'll change your mind like there was i don't think there was any talking him out of that like his decision come and made and so um Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it's, yeah. I think everybody's like super invested, and there was a lot of people that were kind of shocked when he decided to, to hang it up. But it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Obviously, he's not done fishing. He's going to do some cool things, and he'll he'll figure out something, and uh, he's going to he'll be around. For well, sure. Bradley's about as great as man as he is a fisherman. Like he's got a family, of four kids, and the wife, and they got. Oh, oh, I mean, their kids are all at that age. One daughter went off to college this year, like to an art school, and like. You know, he's got a son that's getting at that age where he's playing football. And, you know, I think that Bradley's going to find something that he has a passion for OU football. You know, he's got he'll, he'll find something. He'll bounce back around. We'll, we'll see him doing something. But he, he might explore something outside of the fishing world, too. He might he might need that for himself as a person. Yeah, he's, he's and, and I've I, had him on a couple times and absolutely awesome guest and like. We'd, we'd talk for two hours live and then we'd sit there and talk for an hour afterwards. So yeah, he's one of the most down to earth guys to, to hang out with and talk fishing with and anything, anything else. Yeah. One thing I got, uh, you know, I, I think I got to speak to is the understanding from those on the outside looking in of the exhaustion that it takes to just qualify for the elites and how many years and how much money and how much time and how much effort that it took for, for Bradley to get back on the elites, man, at sometimes it almost feels like, Hey, it'd be better to give those guys a year break to just get their breath back underneath them and come out fighting. It's like you fight the biggest, you know, enemy you've ever had. And then it's like, Hey, congratulations. I know you're whooped, but you got an event tomorrow against a hundred of those biggest enemies you ever. And that's really what it's like. It, it really is. Especially when you're qualifying like Bradley and I did for the very last open event. Um, you know, you qualify and they're like, hey, no limit or no information rule. And by the way, your deposits are basically due next week. I mean, so you don't have that much time to um, to mentally get refreshed from the effort that it took to qualify. And hey, no one's at, I'm not asking, you know, I'm not asking for no sympathy or anything like that. It's just we're just talking about what it is and, and why something like that can happen. The burnout can happen. Why it can happen. And it goes so late in the season because you guys end up both being so late in the year, right? Because uh, he ended up winning the Central Opens in the last event, and you ended up taking the last spot in the overall, I think, is how it shook out in yeah. the last event. You guys, you know, went and had dinner and had Panger riding bitch in between you and across the lake, and but then it was like, hey, great, celebrate that one night, but now you got, like, 60 days to get everything ready for Florida. <laughs> yeah, man, and, and, and to think about how fast, it, it's weird to think about how fast, like, the jealousies and stuff get kicked in, like, uh, you know, we, this isn't a conversation that's ever been talked about publicly, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. Like Bradley. So Bradley, I, and Matt Pangrak, we go to the stump. We're going to celebrate what coolest way to like qualify for the elites and like celebration. But we got to go to the stump. And so all the fishermen are there. We're going to go have a steak and all these fishermen are there from the opens. Well, you know, the way it works is until you've officially been notified, you're not 
a part of the elites, and therefore you can get technically get info. All right. These are technicalities. Now, I had done the math in my head, and I knew I had qualified, but because it was that last place, they waited. Now, Bradley had qualified. They notified him. But there was about a 30-minute to an hour window there where I was waiting for Hank's phone call to confirm what I already knew that I was in. So technically, during this time frame, I could have been receiving all sorts of waypoints, and, and I just don't know anybody for anything like that to happen. So uh, we we were joking around with Pangrack about um, the the gray the gray areas and fishing and things of that nature, and so I when we got into the the stump, I saw Hank and I'm in a good mood. We're excited, so you're speaking freely and there's fishermen everywhere. And I crack a joke to Hank and I said, "Hey Hank, I said I got one for you." He's like, "What's that?" He said, "I, I said I was in the middle of downloading all of Panger's St. Lawrence River waypoints right in the middle of when you called." So am I allowed to keep those waypoints or am I not allowed to keep those waypoints? It's a complete joke based on the fact that he just had, as a tournament director, you know how the things that tournament directors have to deal with. The last thing he wants to do right now is deal with some, like, is potentially. And so he, he made a joke back and said, well, that's Lisa's territory now or something like that. And so we all laughed or whatever, we, you know what I mean? And we went on. And I'm not talking about, like, within a day later, Pangrass getting messages from all sorts of other podcast people about the rumor of me you know, getting illegal waypoints. And it's like, dude, the, like the haters come out of the woodwork, I mean, immediately. So like, here we are in our celebration mode where you think you can just speak freely and like high five with each other. And people are just right there ready. Like they're ready, man. They don't they don't want you on the elites. They don't want you doing good. The guys that are there that are established, man, they're nice, friendly. They're putting on a facade uh, because they have to, which I need to as well, right? Like you don't want to see all my negative energies of life like out right now. But so- but the truth is, like, they are true competitors, and they're going to do whatever it takes to keep you down and to, you know, step on you when they have to. And that that includes, man, mentally and emotionally. Um, if if that's what it takes to make you fish worse, they're going to do it. And that's just a part of the game now. Yeah, interesting. So, obviously, the only thing one would do when their back's against the wall is to double down and fish two tours next year, right? Yeah, right. You can either... Uh, you can either uh, quit, focus on the one tour, or or go out and uh, and swing twice, twice as hard. Um, and that's what that's what we're doing. We're going to fish two two tours with the NPFL. Um, so, you want me to explain why? <laughs> yeah, like so. You, I mean, obviously, like you hear a lot of people, right? Like their rookie, their rookie years, their sophomore years, right? Like, hey. Yeah, maybe I'll I'll mix in a couple opens late in the year if I can, or fish a couple of Toyotas right by home. But like, hey, I need to I need to focus on this right because this is the ultimate goal. Um, so it's interesting that you've elected to stack the MPFL on the six events uh, on top of the I think nine elites. Is that right? I think right. Yeah. So yeah. And yeah. Oh, not, obviously, must not be any major conflicts. I haven't looked at the schedule, but you decided to. To, to do both obviously it worked for patrick walters last year he uh he did quite well for himself <laughs> almost winning the aoi on uh uh i mean he was yeah. like did he end up second on both sides yeah i'm pretty sure he's in trump trump's uh, tax bracket now. he missed an event <laughs> on the mpfl side so um <laughs> yeah he's a great he's a great fisherman man. Yeah. um yeah so what, what's the logic and, and why are you uh doubling down on things in 2024 so to take a step back, based on our original conversation, uh, self-evaluation, right? 
I don't want to over correct uh, and I don't want to not make any corrections. There's corrections that need to be made. And so it, it, it wasn't a decision that I just made, you know, without thinking. I mean, I, I, I literally came to a head when I was at Lake of the Ozarks and I went to a, uh, the gas station and I ran into Ishman Monroe. Uh, we were pumping gas before uh, one day before one of the, the events. And I mean, I don't know Ish that well, but, you know, we got some mutual friends with like Andrew Upshaw and things of that nature. And, and so I just, you know, basically we talked about my season, how off it was. And and he mentioned to me about how one year he fished in FLW and the elites at the same time. And I, one or the other, I don't remember which one he said. Um, and I don't even know if he remembered exactly, but he said one of me was like in the top 10 in AOI and the other, he was in the bottom of AOI in the same year. Uh, so he was like coming from California. He felt like the smartest thing for me to do was to just focus on one tour. And so actually I took that advice, like super to heart. And actually that's kind of, I, I adopted that mentality a little bit, but as I was doing that, I was also finishing my season out fishing the opens and I started to evaluate the, the tournaments that I'd done well in the past versus the ones that I didn't, the ones that I thought I should have done better than I did it, and the ones that I did good out of nowhere. And what I saw was I saw a pattern that when I hyper-focused on one of these for too long of a time, or if I knew too much about it, um, I, I fished bad. I had a bad result, even locally. Um, Grand Lake, I've had, you know, I've had a, a top 10 in an open there. I've had a couple, some wins on Grand um, and some local tournaments and stuff. But, but more than not, I, I don't fish well on Grand. Now, you follow Oklahoma, I fish extremely well. I'm at the point now where if I'm not in the top 10 and you follow, I feel like I did bad. And I know that sounds like bragging, but I mean, if you look at my record, I've got a lot of top 10s on you follow in Oklahoma and, and several wins. And, I, and I've always asked, wondered to myself, why, what's so different? They, are, they do set up differently, but what's the deal? And I found a long time ago that on Grand, I find myself jumping spots. I become a spot fisherman on Grand for some reason. That's just that's what I fell into. And on Eufaula, I I don't really have spots. I have areas, and I and I understand the way the fish are behaving in those areas. And because I've had so much success, I understand when the sun shines, go to this style of water. When it's cloudy, go stop doing that immediately. Go over here, even if you haven't caught a fish over here in a week. The clouds are out now. It's time to go to this part of the lake. And so I understand the environmental effects of the fish a lot better. And I, and I fish more like, you know, by the moment. And if I'm over, so back to the, the question on the elites, I felt myself focusing on elites. I already felt myself over focusing, hyper focusing on only those nine events and then having a preconceived notion in my head of how I'm going to fish. And, and I, I just, honestly, I felt a little bit of anxiety in it. And I thought I need to do something to, protect myself from that and i looked into the fishing more opens but the opens were uh they're scheduled so close to the elites that it just it, it would have been a burden and the mpfl obviously i feel at home with the mpfl the mpfl has given me the platform to be able to grow to where i'm at i mean if it wasn't for the mpfl i wouldn't be on the elites it's just it's just that simple and so i have a home there you know but also the six events are, are are spread out and the way that i'm going to uh, fish the NPFL is I'm not going to pre-practice anything. I'm going to hardly do very much studying and I'm going to try to force myself to stay in that fish in the moment mentality and thereby, you know, hopefully that carries into the elite event. Where you're just making, fishing well and making adjustments and just 
yeah, listening to what the fish are telling you and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, quick plug. Uh, if you don't get enough of John tonight, next Tuesday, he'll be ho ho hopping out with Gabe, uh, Tin Horse Monty. So, um, very cool. He's got a cool name. <laughs> um, see here. So, speaking of that, I guess Lauren asked, like, uh, how are you uh, funding uh, two tours? <laughs> I, I, that John definitely wasn't born with a silver spoon based on everything I know about him. So maybe talk <laughs> a little bit about how. Oh, man. I think it's an interesting, like, I think there's, especially with Jacob Fouts and there's been some other open anglers coming out talking about how are they, you know, they got these sales jobs. Well, was like, you know, like That's something people that are, if you're actually interested about fishing professionally, you kind of have to really think this through because like just going out and catching fish isn't always enough. So like, how are you setting yourself up to be able to afford two tours and, and that kind of stuff? So let me address the sponsor side job born with a silver spoon. <laughs> when my father died, uh, a couple years later, we went to the bank to go sign some loan documents. And my, my wife was like stressed because this is a payment. And I looked at her and I said, why are you stressed, baby? This is our inheritance. When, before my dad died and got sick with cancer and all that went on, you know, we went out and took a loan. He took a loan out. I co-signed for him just so he could have the finances to survive for the next three years of everything that happened. Um, my, my inheritance is debt. Like, I didn't, I didn't inherit anything. When I was 19, Molly and I got married. Uh, we had a, that's my wife still. So we've been married for 20 years. This was our 20 year anniversary. We had a 19 foot travel trailer, no heat, no running water, no air conditioning, straight up four twin beds and within a, a month my sister-in-law moved in she had three kids and one was a newborn um within a couple of years after that my father and mother they lost their they lost their house and um i ended up working a deal with my neighbor in the country and we tiled a house of his that he was building for a down payment so that they can move in next door my father-in-law passed away when i was 23 and, and um you know i held him in his garden as he you know as he was dying of cancer and his last dying wish was take care of my garden, take care of my wife, and take care of my daughter. And we've done just that. I mean, my mother-in-law became, you know, my mom, and she's our closest friend. And, you know, I used to go on dates with my mother-in-law when I was 20 years old and, and, and my wife, too. You know, we'd go on, we'd say it was date night, right? Take her out and go date. So during that whole process, of my, those are all in my 20s. I didn't get a fish. I didn't get a fish at all. From, you know, 19 to 27, I had fish. Now, I did work. I laid Kyle for a hundred hour a week, 80 to a hundred hour a week. I worked, I worked, I worked, I worked, blood, sweat, tears, um, no excuses. To, to be honest with you, Jacob and I are friendly with each other and, and I like Jacob as a person. So I don't want anybody to take this as like, I'm taking shots at Jacob at all. Cause this is, this is not what I'm saying, but my 20 year old mentality would have been very much to whoop Jacob for, for saying the things that he said publicly. That's not that, that was not an option to behave that way to 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 actually go nationwide with and to make a complaint about finances. Uh, I didn't have the finances in my life to spend a second to complain. I think complaining is a is about your finances. It's actually it, it shows how blessed you are to even have the time to spend to do that. So I I am what I'm doing is I'm taking a 42, 41 year old man's perspective and put myself back when I was his age, the things I was dealing with at that time. And, and, and probably Jacob and I at that age, we wouldn't have got along. I've learned how to, you know, have a different perspectives and things in life. So 
I built a tile business. I built several different businesses. And, and, and somehow during that time, I was fortunate enough to make enough decisions that allowed me to, to create a business that got me in the fishing industry. And, and I was blessed to have the opportunity to, to fish the elites. And, and it, it's weird because when I, when I qualified for the elites, it was at a time growing up through the fishing that uh, you look to those 40-year-olds because they were peaking, right? And I'm like, hey, I'm getting at that age. And I'm looking up to these guys that taught me how to throw a jig, and I'm like, yeah, I'm becoming the Lee Sanders in Oklahoma, for anybody that knows. And if, if Lee ever saw this, you know, he's the man. Like, he, he knows how to throw a jig like nobody else. And I, and I got to fish with him as a co-angler and watch him throw that jig and be like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is awesome, you know? And I finally got that to that age where I'm that guy. I'm dominating every local tournament. I'm, I'm doing this. My confidence level is soaring. Um, success is coming out of the woodworks. I don't even know why I'm having so much success. And then all of a sudden, the world switches. And <laughs> I thought I was going to inherit this 40-year-old wisdom. And the tech world comes out. The YouTube world comes out. And now it's the 20-year-old's ball game. So I am at an era that I just missed it, man. <laughs> The 40-year-olds, they were dominating. I finally got there, and it was like, oh, no, now it's a 20-year-old. And so now I'm an old man as a rookie getting my tail whooped. And, uh, and, 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 and so what do you do, man? Do I go back to when I was a kid and remember the struggle and the fight and, and what it took to actually get to where I could put food on the table for everybody in my family, including myself? And Now I got four kids and, and a wife. And, yeah, I've built up some things in my life that, um, that I would hate to lose. But we're here, and this is our last opportunity, and so we're all in. We're going to gambling. I am that small percentage of person that is going to say, can I lose everything? I'm not going to lose everything I got, but can I lose enough that our life becomes uncomfortable? Yeah, 100% I can. I 100% can this year. So I'm, I'm building another business, another brand as we speak. It will be launched soon. It's the hat that I have on right now, um, starting an outdoor store. and it's going to, and I'm choosing to do that instead of go back and lay in tile. Okay. I still have a tile company. Um, it basically is covering it, the bills. I, I used to have 50 to hundred employees working for me, slinging tile day and night, um, casinos, hospitals, you know, schools, army bases, military bases, everything that's uncomfortable. And I've done things that are just stupid. I mean, when I was younger, like maybe I bragged, talked to myself about how tough and how strong I was. And, and I was, but man, I mean, this is, destroying my body and so do i want to go back and do that no i don't want to will i if it comes down to it yeah man i'll i'll get back clean tile if that's what it takes but i'm really trying to take a a, 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 a leap of faith here and put my energies and my strengths into staying with inside the fishing industry and if that means i got a successful elite series that's awesome but at the minimum if i can have a company where I can stay inside the fishing industry and still talk fishing every day and sell fishing lures or sell equipment of that, of that kind, then you know what, man, in the end of the day, and I'm still putting food on the table for my kids. I've had a pretty blessed life, man. And that, and that, so through all the negativity of what I've got and the struggles that I've got going on right now, I've got a potential of having a life that, you know, majority of people would, would, would love to have. Yeah, absolutely. Are you able to touch on the bass tank at all or not? I mean, uh, basically, I sold my portion out to uh, to the other half of the company's owner, Scott, um, around March last year. 
And other than that, I'm really, I'm not really at capacity to say much more about that. So um, I'm excited about the opportunity. I was kind of in a niche market um, to, you know, basically you're pushing live scopes 24-7. It's all live scope, live scope, live scope, live scope. And although I loved it and I, and I love everything that I put my passion into, I have a liberty right now that I never knew that was going to be there in that I can, I can do a lot of horizon things on the horizon. But the store save more, we're going to be an outdoor store. Uh, not just only fish and tackle. I do have a large selection that we're working on getting inventory and online, but um, we'll be able to do some things outside of just fishing lures. And and that and that fits my personality a lot more. That fits my marketing mind a lot more. That fits like my ADHD mind a little bit more. That I can just do more things. And so I'm excited about that opportunity. Cool. Actually, let's uh, let's come back and talk a little bit more. Save more. I'm gonna have like a quick little insert here from uh, one of my partners, and we'll talk back and learn more about this. Save more in just a minute here. Are you ready to reel in your next home purchase or refinance? Supreme Lending's Dream Team can help guide you through the entire mortgage process from pre-qualification to closing. We have a wide variety of home loan programs in our tackle box, including down payment assistance and first-time homebuyer options. You can ask Hella Bass. He trusted us to help finance his home. Contact the Dream Team today by searching Supreme Lending Dream Team or click the link below in the description or scan the QR code on your screen. All right, we're back. Thanks to the Dream Team. Thanks for taking a minute, everybody. Uh, appreciate that. We got, we got like 135 people watching on YouTube and a few people straggling on uh, right. Facebook. And stuff. So, and I uh, was forgot to put it on Instagram tonight. So, <laughs> maybe next time. Um, yeah. So, it's interesting. Like, so you, you obviously the bass tank, you know, uh, did fine, was growing, but a little, little too narrow, didn't allow you to kind of like, get into all the things and, and do as much as you wanted. What, what tell me more about this save more outdoors? Well, first I'll take one step back at one point in time, about 10 years ago, I got into the real estate game. I used to buy real estate and, and flip houses and I, and I got some rentals and stuff like that going. And I learned a little bit more about the concept of, of money and how, you know, how it works um, based on the conditioning of most people's minds. We believe in the power of that, that piece of paper that says 100 on it more than we value, you know, the value of an actual product. And that that hinders 99% of people from actually making, you know, the kind of decisions that entrepreneurs need to make, right? And so with that understanding, um, I've kind of broken into an opportunity to um, a business plan, if you will, to, to specialize in overstock, overstock and liquidated products. So, um, we're not going to be an Omni and we're not going to be a taco warehouse. We're not going to be, you know, don't think the same line. We're actually a company that we're going to do some retail things online and, and that's going to allow us for branding. And um, we're going to pass some wholesale pricing onto consumers. So there's some opportunity there, but everything we have is going to be a unique product that's probably of limited supply. We may have a bunch of it, but once they're sold out, they're sold out. And on the backside of the company, we're actually doing a wholesaling. So we're in that process now of reaching out to companies, creating relationships. And so we would actually be a, like a supplier to an Omni, a supplier to Tackle Warehouse, a supplier to a distributor even. Um, so um, that's that's one side of the business. Um, there's another side of the business. 
that I, I've got another company called Mojo Fishing. I've had it for a long time. Mojo, my wife, Molly, Joe, John, and we're developing a couple of lures. I've got a frog that's going to come out called the, the Hypno Toad, uh, and that will come to market. It's, you know, we aren't going to make the greatest frog in the world. It's, it's a really good frog, but it's going to be the coolest frog in the world, and that's what we're going to be able to have fun with with the marketing. I 100% tell you it will be the coolest frog that you've ever seen with some of the greatest marketing behind it. Uh, so, and, and that part is fun. I mean, who doesn't love going out and smashing fish on a frog? So, like, you know, would I have known a year ago that I got such tunnel vision on the, on the live skip thing that I wasn't happy in business? No, I wouldn't have known at that time because I was, you know, there's a special part about a man that when he's putting food on the table and providing for his family, his pride's in that and he's not worried about, like, is he fully happy or not? But then when you do have an opportunity that comes through of, doing some things, like I said, more horizontally, uh, we just closed, uh, you, you find out there, hey, man, I've got some pleasure in this. I enjoy, you know, I don't want to run back into the, just putting that niche on. I, I enjoy um, being able to be spread out a little bit. That's kind of where my mind thinks. And uh, like, for example, we just uh, closed a deal with Black Rifle and we got a bunch of Black Rifle coffee. Um, I'm working a hat deal right now to buy a bunch of hats. I mean, I'm in a bunch of hats. And so just some, some various things like that that keep us with products that are in the outdoor space that I can use the platform of the elites and fishing. Anything that you're doing fishing or outdoorsy, we can we can do that inside the store. Yeah, that sounds really cool. So you said it's it's uh, launching soon or when? when is... Yeah, I mean, the website's probably live right now. You can probably go on the website, savemoreoutdoors.com. Uh, it's, it's kind of we haven't like publicly done a launch yet. We, we're kind of we're doing the punch list, you know what I mean? Uh, going through all the all the backside things, and, and uh, we we just find we're just finalizing some of our inventory that we're trying to. There's a bunch of products that actually aren't on the website yet that we have that we've been dealing with inventory count and things like that. So, uh, I mean, we're about a month. You know, I wanted to be ready at Black Friday, so we're about a month beyond what I wanted to do. Um, but yeah, there you go. That's cool. Yeah, and there's the Hypnotoad. So. Yeah, there's one thing that we got right there that you showed. You can actually buy uh, Mojo Hypnotoads right now. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And and by the way, look at that price. Like, you're not going to find a frog anywhere else. And it's not a cheap, this is not a, this is a really, really good frog. And why is it so inexpensive at the moment? It's because it's me and one other guy inside the company set. And I, I, we don't have 10, you know, people running around. So we, we're keeping the cost down. And, you know, the idea is for us to do some fun things that allow me to go on the Elite Series and NPFL and stay fishing and not have the stress of this major overhead behind us. But that frog is a, is an awesome frog. Uh, the white one, if you guys like white, it's the brightest, whitest frog you've ever had. But the thing that's most interesting about the Hypnotoad uh, is that it's the softest frog that you'll ever hold. It is really, really soft and subtle. Sub, subtle, is that the right word? And... I threw it all last year and I never lost a fish on it. The hookup ratio is just, and I think it has to do with that soft, soft, soft body. Well, we got a black one. If the hooks yep. are good and the body is soft, that you're 90% of the way there. So, yep. We got a popping one as well. So you can do popping a regular. I'm more of a walking frog guy, but mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if people like that. So, this frog is, is a, a lot lighter. It casts well in the wind, but it's a lot lighter than. It's comparable to a spro body shape, okay? But it's lighter than that, and it floats higher on the water column. So like your popping frog, it actually walks better than any frog that I've ever thrown. It's because it's so light, you can just give it little little twitches, and it just stay in one place. 
So if like you're looking for a frog that you want to put across the bed and fish and just keep it over it for a long time, this is this is one of them. It's like the Sammy of frogs. Very high. Yeah. Buoyant. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, you got some stuff up there. People can go take a look at. It. Looks like you got some things marked down already. Yeah, I think we're doing. You know, we got a markdown for our opening uh, that we haven't launched yet officially, but it's still available now. Like the scrounger heads, those are the original scrounger heads. And if you click on it, we've actually got a gold head in certain sizes. And you just can't see those gold. You can't find them anywhere. So we got some cool things that are actually unique. You just have to write. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So if you're a scrounging fisherman and you want the original scrounger head, and especially if you want a gold one, they, I, don't, I don't think anybody else has these in the United States. We got some of the old uh, Rick Clone Trickster spinner baits, all the way up to three quarter ounce. You know, so those are some unique, you know, some unique products. So is it safe to say there'll be a save more boat wrap this year? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be a big part of the uh, the game plan. Our our hypnotoad marketing is so awesome that it's going to be hard not to incorporate that heavily. But I make this much money on it compared to if save more does good. You know, so it's like yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it will be a save more title. So nice. back to which circles back to the question, well, how do you how do you afford to to fish the elites in PFL, right? You, I mean, I incorporated into the business model and marketing model of of how do I build this company? And it's an ex expensive expense that the company and a burden to the company to take on. But in return, you know, we've had some success building brands in the past. It's just we're back to building a brand again, starting over and building a new brand. Pretty cool. Yeah, it'd be interesting to watch that. And uh, who doesn't like getting a good deal? <laughs> yeah. You know what's interesting about deals? I was at an expo a decade ago, expo show, and there was a guy that had some rods. And he kept on swearing about how good these were, rods were, and his booth was right across from my booth. And I watched him. He couldn't move these rods. It was a three-day expo. He couldn't move the rods, couldn't move the rods, couldn't move the rods. I forgot what he was selling them for, like 60 to $100 a piece. And somebody uh, gave him the thought, you're selling these rods too cheap. People think something's wrong with them. So he literally went in that final day, and instead of marking them down, he marked them up. He, like, doubled them, and he sold out every single rod. It's, it's so weird being on this side of the business, the marketing side of business. People's minds of what turns us on and turns us off isn't always the truth of what's good out there. And so... A good consumer can pick those up, but 90% of us, our consumer decisions are based on what we've allowed ourselves to be told by the people that we're surrounded around, or what we're watching, what we're listening to, you know, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You see that, yeah, things that sometimes, like, right, like, I think you see that with guide trips, right? Like, you got, uh, <laughs> like them or love them, right, Josh Jones staying plenty busy at whatever thousand dollars a day and you got other guys that maybe for 400 bucks can't book trips right like sometimes yeah. they <laughs> you know fun fact that no one knows about josh jones and i are actually neighbors yeah well yeah interesting small world that people that would be so influential in the, the forward facing sonar world would be so close in a little neighborhood that has nothing to do with fishing Well, uh, Money Bass, don't want to ignore this. He Thanks for the $5 super chat. He says, do you think older pros resent the younger anglers for winning and using front-facing sonar as a scapegoat? Yeah, 100% they are. Um, 
But I I understand I, I understand the emotion behind it. And it takes a very, very selfless man to analyze himself and say, Hey, quit being a grumpy old man and and work harder. Especially when you get to that point in stage of life where you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, your body's breaking down, you, you, you can't stay up as late at night, you're not as smart as you used to be, you're not as quick as you used to be, all these things. So not only are you fighting the fact that now you're getting challenged, but you're being challenged against what your body's telling you to do, what your body's telling you to slow down. So I felt that, and I'll give you an example. When I came into the MPFL and started having all the success I had, um, you know, of course, I didn't turn any down, but I was having opportunities to be podcast all the time. And, you know, you're on your you're on a high, you know, and, and you're naive because you're thinking, hey, everybody loves me. And then all of a sudden you have just enough too much success where everybody's like, and all of a sudden I had these guys that were like in the elite that were kind of giving me, you know, bad feelings and not good vibes and not really being friendly. And, and, and then I had some things that, that were personal attacks and stuff like bring down the integrity of who you were, the character, you know, your character, fascinations and stuff like that. And you're like, what the heck? Or I don't get it. Like, well, dude, it's just the real world, right? Like fishing world's not, uh, it's not a make believe world where these things, like you, you love the fishing world so much that I went into it naive thought, well, man, it's all, you know, rainbows and butterflies and we all love each other and we hug and like, look like trolls. We do little troll dances and we go catch fish. And, and that's just not the way it is at all because of the nature of the competitiveness with inside the industry, it is so hard to be a Bass Pro to pay all your bills. It is very hard to keep yourself from being jealous of the guy that is getting this love. For an example, I mean, and I, man, I hate that. Jacob, if you watch this, man, I love you, dude. This isn't picking on. This isn't really picking on you this way. But here's an example. Jacob goes out there and makes a complaint video and gets I don't know how many thousands of YouTube subscribers the next day. And you got guys that have worked their tail off for years and years and years, invested money and beyond what people can even think of and pass the time. And their followers are just, they never grow. And, and is that fair? No, I mean, it's not fair, but the problem is the world's not fair. So you have to, if you find yourself in that position, like I am now, you're two, right? You're one going in the elites. Everything was good. Everything was good. After year one, I got cut by five different, I think five different companies cut me this year. And a lot of the excuses that I got when I talked to him was, you know, basically my social media presence wasn't what it was and <clears throat> things of that nature. And deep down inside, I knew I wasn't the same person that I was the, the three or four years before. So what do I do? Do I just get bitter and get complained? And then while I, while this is happening, these new guys that are coming in, I'll watch a new guy. He picks up. So I might get cut by a company and they're like, well, our budget, you know, we couldn't fit you in. Here's, the, you know, these, these excuses um, of why they cut me. And yet they had enough budget for the new guy that hasn't done anything yet besides look shiny at an open stage, which I'm telling you is not the same level as the elites. Don't let any of those open guys fool you. I'm telling you, it's not the same level. Now, do they deserve it if they qualify? Yes, I'm not picking on any of those guys for qualifying, but it's just they haven't proven themselves yet. I haven't proven myself yet on the elite stage. They haven't proven themselves. So why do they get it? So I feel and I understand that 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 emotion of jealousy of and so I have to stop myself and say, you know what? It's time to be a man. You know what I mean? There are things I should have done better last year. There are things. So do I sit there and pout and cry? Or do I say, hey, you know what? Listen, 
thank these people that have been hard on me and they've had to cut me. It wasn't easy for them to cut. Nobody wants to cut anybody, you know, considering the fact of where they had to come from and still love and respect them that one day, man, that some of these guys I lost, I'd love to earn the right. I would love to come back and say, Hey man, I hope I'm here. And so, uh, that is a part of something that I'm having to do and, and adapt and change to. Of course, I know the question was geared towards the live scoping thing, but to me, it's, it, it was way beyond just live scoping is my point. Then these are some small examples of what I'm feeling like and what I'm dealing like with my own emotions. Um, being 41 years old, looking at a 20 year old that's getting all this, you know, things that I'm having to deal with this myself. So I understand where, and so I think we all understand where that feeling and that emotion comes from. I think we can be a little bit more sympathetic to each other and not be such a hater on Randy Blockett just because he's, he's making these comments, you know, that kind of deal. I think it's a part of it. And I think the, 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 the sonar is the easiest thing to point to, but I think, you know, JT Tompkins putting 700 hours on his outboard shows the level of commitment that he put into it. And the, and the, and the electronics is just a, a, a sliver of that, right? Obviously he's doing everything within his powers to do everything he can. Um, and when you're 20, it's a lot easier to do that when you're 45 and you got a family, right. And, and businesses and things like that. So, um, yeah. And I mean, dude, it's like the crane kick in Karate Kid, right? Like Daniel, Danielson, he went out there and he practiced for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours until he got the crane kick. Well, like, I don't have time to practice the crane kick. So when it comes down to fight time and, you know, JT Hopkins pulls a crane kick on me, why can't I be better at him? And he spent time. It's not because he's young that he's able to do it. He spent the time and effort to get that out there. I could put everything off in my life and go out there and learn how to do the crane kick. I just have to be more of a more well-rounded adult right now of where I'm at and responsibilities in life. And so, you know, hats off to these guys. Yes, they were fortunate. Yes, a lot of them have some backings that I didn't have at that time in life. But, I mean, I'm not going to be jealous of them because they put in – it's it's too hard to get where they're at and to do what they did based off of luck or because they have a silver spoon. It's just way too hard. And what sport in the world that we all love – whether it's football or basketball or whatever. Yes, we got some kids that come out of some inner city stuff and they're just great athletes. And those are tremendous stories that we all clap for. But the reality is 95% of those kids went to a high school that was handpicked from them. Their parents chose to get in that tax bracket, chose to go to that school, chose the coaches. They got facilities that are million, multi-million dollar facilities and they're getting trained, they're getting supplements, they're getting everything they need at a very young age. And then they become a pro. And there's no difference. And those that have, they have more. And those that don't, it, it's harder. So when you find a guy that doesn't have them, man, like me, uh, root for me, man. If you're an underdog, I'm the one underdog that's on the Elite Series, man. I, I, I get it. But I'm not going to choose to hate everybody else just because they got some kind of special, look, what looks like to be special benefits in their life. They got things going on in their life that they're just not talking about, too, just like every one of us. Just one little thing, John. Sometimes when you lean forward, I think your mic is like right here on your hoodie. Okay. And like, is it? It looks like right. Yeah. It just sometimes it rubs and it kind of muffles you out a little bit. So just be careful gotcha. that it's not rubbing on your hoodie. But other than that, gotcha. most of the time it sounds good, except for like when you get really excited and into it and like <laughs> then it catches on there. But, yeah. uh, calm down. Oh, calm down. <laughs> yes, I think some people are commenting that they like the hoodie on the uh, the website. Which uh, is that the hoodie you're wearing? It is the hoodie that I'm wearing, and those are actually being being built. You can pre 
we did some pre-orders to find out how much interest level we're going to do, and then we're going to start bringing in a bigger drop. So, um, So, Tim, along those lines, what are your thoughts? Is, does it come down to just social media and reach? Or are there other parts of, in your opinion, sponsorship appeal? Like how much do you think is winning versus just social media reach versus other values that you deliver? Okay. So, so, first of all, winning trumps all. Winning trumps winning, all. Winning solves everything. Winning <laughs> Catching solves more everything. math and winning solves everything. So there's two challenges that we're talking about. Maintaining competing at the top level and making money, all right? So let's say, for example, Ben Milliken um, fails in his next two years and he gets kicked off the elite. Ben is going to be fine as a person because of what he can, what products he can move, what kind of money he makes. He'll be just fine. But his passion is to stay on the elite level. So he's got to, got to win. Um, now, there's things that people can do outside of social media. Social media is huge. I, I've got to build it mine better. I've got to build. I have to because I got all the skin in the world, the skin of the game with my new with my new brand. I got every all those eggs in that basket. The company's got to survive. It's got to thrive. And I've got to make money. You know, 100%. I have to make money to pay my bills. I don't have a free ride at all. So with that being said, there are some unique abilities that people have outside of just um, social media. There are lots of opportunities that, that we have to actually help a business. So it's going to come down to a business. It's not like there's a public grant for for bass fishermen. I don't know. Maybe if Trump Jr. gets in, I heard that he he likes fishing and hunting. So, I mean, but there is no grant program for us, man. All of us that are blue collar workers that love to fish. But we've all had and built up a value to a company. It, that value may be um, as simple as just being able to explain it to that company how to become more efficient in some things they do. Uh, you can have a value in that you uh, have a boat, you've got tools, right? You can take somebody out fishing. You can take either a CEO out fishing or say, hey, you have a customer that you want to keep, you know, um, or, or, or reward for being your customer. Take them on the water. There's, there's all sorts, there's hundreds of different angles, but it all comes down to how can I help benefit this company? And, and it's not always just social media, sales, 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 Awareness, awareness, awareness. It's not always the deal, um, even though that's where we focus 90% of our, our conversation. Absolutely. No, I, I agree. I, that, I, I even outlined some of that, like kind of a little, you know, fell into the trap, did a little five minute reaction video to, to Jacobs. And I was like, it's all about adding value. Like it doesn't have to be Instagram and YouTube. You can be like doing boat demos on your, you know, your, your day off. Or if you missed the cut, right, you can be doing meet and greets. You can be opening new accounts, right? Stopping at dealerships, you know, or, or, or bait, you know, let's say you got a, I think arc rods, right? Was he like pounding the pavement, stopping at tackle shops, doing introductions for arc rods, getting it, you know what I mean? Like there's other things you can do that provide a ton of value to businesses um, that can go a long ways besides just making YouTube and TikToks. <laughs> so. Now he's got a role going right now. So like if I was in his position, I'd be firing now, those things now, off. Now completely steer in yeah. and just do the social yeah. media thing. And, and the next opportunity that he has, I guarantee, I bet he does. I bet he does tenfold what he did for his former sponsors, just because of this experience that he learned. If he, I think he'll he'll do a lot better when it comes to that. Yeah, exciting. So, um, I guess a couple of things I want to mention here. So we're going to go to about ten o'clock tonight, and then I'm actually going to do a members live uh, afterwards. So for you, those that are members in the chat that didn't see that, 
just know that's coming up. We'll, we'll go to 10 and then a five minute bio break and we'll go members live. Um, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about the Hella games and how we're going to give away a, a 16 volt powerhouse lithium battery. So far, there's only three eligible entrants. So um, we'll talk more about that tonight. Just want to let people know that. Um, yeah. So next year, who are you? Are you, are you traveling solo? Are you uh, traveling with somebody else? What's, what's your plan on like travel wise to stay focused or, positive i left the christmas lights on so we could have fun tonight and get the, the, the year going in the right motion but what what are your travel plans and how does that feed into your focus slash fun level for uh, your two tours so i had uh choosing a roommate is is very odd because it's just like a team just because you have the best players in the house doesn't mean they're gonna help each other um it's i've, I've had a lot of success at times with guys that i wouldn't necessarily say or of the level of like a Bradley Hallman. And and so I'm I'm aware of that. And I've been kind of careful not to just jump anywhere. But uh Kyle Norsetter reached out to me uh, when he found out that Bradley retired and asked me if we and um but I don't think it doesn't sound like we're gonna room together the whole time. He's got his wife and stuff. So we're, we're kind of undecided about what events and how we're gonna room together. But but outside of that, for the most part, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a loner. For the times that Kyle will have me in his house, I'll I'll room with him. Um, but outside of that, I'm, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be a loner. Are you like a campground guy, a motel guy? Like, what do you like to do when you're traveling solo? Uh, man, just give me a, a small, comfortable place to sit, uh, sleep as close to the water as possible. I don't need any fancy place or anything like that. I don't necessarily even eat that much when I'm on the road. I'm not a big cooker. I'm not a big griller. I actually eat really healthy when I'm out, not. I mean, yes, by choice, but just because it's easier to just prepare stuff and, and just, so I'm not, I'll go out to eat, you know, if I got some people to socialize, but for the most part, I'm just really focused on, on the, on the fish, like 100% focused on dreaming and thinking and uh, analyzing, you know, while I'm at the event, the fit, the green fit, that's it. I did think about doing the camping thing and I, and I, and I sincerely want to, but with starting, there's just so much bandwidth. I don't have the time this off season to to get a camper and stuff set up. Um, I, I ended the the season last year, you know, trying to sleep in my truck a little bit, and fortunately made some good friends, and I got invited in on the couch a few times, and um, that was the thought that I had, you know, try to save some money and do things that way. But I mean, there is a there is also a fat a mathematical fact that a six five guy doesn't fit very well in the bed. Of, of a truck you know what i mean like uh, uh so i i do know that i need to keep comfortable and things like that and i don't want that to affect my fishing these are all the thoughts i'm just sharing you the thoughts that went through my yeah, mind absolutely no it's cool but for for most part for me it's going to be more like uh something closer like a small cabin or a motel room that's close to the water um is, is what i'll be looking for if i if for the opportunities that i don't have with um with kyle no, absolutely. Yeah, I, I actually like really like actually got a pickup now. I used to slip in the back of my Tahoe, which even me being at like six two was a, a stretch. But like <laughs> now I got the long box on the Silverado. Yeah, it's a little more roomy for this year when I need to do that. Um, but yeah, I just I'm... like the peace in mind of being at a camper. I don't like being at hotels and motels fighting over power and 
covering up my boat and i don't feel like i sleep like with one eye open like trying to listen out my window like i, don't know. I just prefer like campgrounds there's communities or like a private like you get a small airbnb even if it's just a little room or a little like just anything where you're just kind of off the beaten path and not you know along with 20 other rigs in a hotel i don't know i just yeah that's my thought but. yeah bradley and i always did the airbnb and of course we had travis with us was doing the camera thing and uh that last year his wife was going to travel and she was expecting and actually mm-hmm. stopped her from traveling with us because she you know, she, they had a healthy baby and stuff this this winter, but like, you know, there was concern there that she couldn't travel as much. So, you know, we had all that set up for them. But if it's just myself, you know, I agree with you on the camping side. I I I foresee if I continue to qualify for the elites, that I'm go down that route. I'm I'm always jealous of Tenta when he just pops right out of his in the back of his truck and just you know gets right on the water. He lives right. You know, Kenta told me something unique, and I and I. I mean, this is what he told me, so I'll just put it this way. He's got a house and wife back in Japan. Mm-hmm. He has slept in that camper so much that when he goes back to Japan, he actually bought a camper for a truck so he can sleep because he can't sleep unless he's in a camper. Isn't that crazy how much time he's dedicated to that? That's how he is. What's crazier is, like, with him fishing the elites and all the opens, when does he go back to Japan and surprise you? <laughs> They, yeah. must, they have a very special relationship, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's different. It is. He's he's back there right now, as far as I know. I think he goes back one or two times a year. That's it. Yeah. I'm sure he gets probably what like two solid months in in the winter, our winter, right? But then maybe maybe goes back for a month around like in July, like uh, the ICAST break maybe or something like that. But like, yeah. I wonder if he just shows up in time for the spawn or something like it. Like yeah, he, hopefully he goes back when it's like the time to be back, you know. There you go. Right on. Let me go back and look at a couple of these. Uh, so yeah, look, there's been a couple of questions. Is there anything you're looking forward to either on the MPFL or the elites or like a? I mean, obviously every event's important, and but like, are there a couple mm-hmm. that you're excited about mm-hmm. or interested in? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I gotta say that the first two, the Toledo Bend Lake Fork back to back, um, I've competed on Toledo Bend in the wintertime uh, a couple of years ago there was an ABA solo and I you know I got like second or third in that of course we could throw the A rig and I did I was throwing an A rig quite a bit um, uh, and then Lake Fork is only four and a half hours from my house but I've never been on it to bass fish I've only been on it a couple times to crappie fish uh, oh besides that when I was like a junior in high school we went down there and uh, you know what I'm talking about I'm talking about with a tournament mindset and focus so like I literally don't even know how to run the lake um, but that is a style of fishing and a time of year that I'm extremely comfortable with. Things could fall into my wheelhouse that uh, it could it could go really well for me. So that's obviously the hopes. So no better way to have a good season just get off to a hot start. One hundred percent. I have to. You know, last year the nine events in the elites, I had before the event before that year had started, I had. I'd never been to any of the lakes that we fish. Never, I'd never been on any of those. Um, now, by the time the season got around, I'd jumped in a couple opens in like St. Lawrence. So I'd been on that one time before and all that. Uh, but this year, I think that six of the nine, I, I have that number in my head, six, but I'd have to like think through. But at, at least, at least four or five of them, I've, no, no, no. Yeah, four, five, at least at least five of the events that we're fishing this year, I've been to this. And, you know, Harris Chain's on there. And Harris Chain's kind of like my You Follow Oklahoma tournament 
in that I've I've had one bad finish in in, in Florida. That was this year on the elites. It was like a hundredth place or whatever. It was horrible finish. But outside of that, I've never not finished in the top ten, and I've won. So I finished third in the open, and I and I won an NPFL on Harris Chain. And I've always felt like I can like like I have an intimate connection with Harris Chain. Not necessarily the first day I show up, but by the time the tournament starts, I feel like I can understand those those fish. And I'm hoping that that yeah. continues, you know, in the and this more. Most on summer will be more similar to the other times of year. I would think that you've had uh, more consistent success in Florida. So I think that should fit. Um, what about MPFL? Is there one? I don't even remember what the MPFL schedule is. Is there one that uh, cites you on there? Have you even I'm looked at do you, do you actually know the schedule for the MPFL? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, not off memory. I'm trying to look around and see if I've got it written down somewhere. Well, uh, I have Google. So, uh, I know the first one's Logan Martin. Spots, and um, yeah, Coosa River spots. I didn't do very well in lay. I think I got like fifty fifth in the leads. So it's kind of I kind of have a redemption mentality there to, at Logan because I feel like I should be able to do better on those on those events. Um, it's still going to be a winter time situation. So winter, late January, Logan Martin, May on Hartwell. July on Pickwick, late August Saginaw Bay, September St. John's River, and then is there seven of it? No, okay, October Ozarks. Yeah, so uh, walk, walk me through those one by one. So Logan, what I'm excited about on Logan is that I have spent in the last five years, besides this year and last year, I've spent a tremendous amount of time winter fishing i spent a lot of time learning how to use this technology and train people how to use the tech you know electronics and and i fell in love with winter fishing i love it i love it i hardly hunt at all because i just love being on the water in the winter i don't like the cold i like the way the fish behave and set up in the winter time and i understand why they do it and and, and so <clears throat> when we talk about going back to like making sure you're fishing like to not necessarily to your strength, but what some things you enjoy and do love to do. I think I'm going to be happy rolling in the Logan Martin, uh, knowing that we're wintertime fishing. Um, the mm -hmm. second event, did you say that was not Pickwick? But we'll, okay, Hartwell, Hartwell in May. Hartwell. Yeah, that's so probably borderline spawn ish. Yes, spawn, so we were there in April and there was a spawn going on, and then I was there in the with the opens in like late May or June or something like that. And so it's kind of right in between the two times. And the one thing that I remember the first time we were there is that the, the shad, the herring spawn hadn't really happened yet. So what I'm assuming on this is that we're going to be hitting it, you know, herring spawn time. And I've never got to do that yet. Um, and so I'm, I think that's an exciting thing to potentially be able to, especially if I can get on some kind of topwater bite. Who doesn't love, like, throwing a big spook or something like that? I don't know if that's possible, but fantastic lake that seems to put them out year round like it's just the population of fish man it's just a hot a high 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 population balanced largemouth spots they're both healthy you can go you know you can john cox it up a river arm and you can fish super deep water by the dam and everything in between i think so yeah uh pickwick we we finished the first year on the mpfl we fished that same week on pickwick 
Um, I, I was in the top 10 going in the final day and I bombed. I caught one fish. It was like, <laughs> and I, I bombed the final day. I still, still caught a check because of how well I did the first two days. But it, it was tremendously difficult at that time because the slugfest and stuff's going on in May and June. And by the time we get to there in July, they've been beat up pretty, pretty good. So I'm aware of what goes on there. Um, but I predict that's going to be a, a lot tougher tournament than most people would think typical Pickwick would be. Uh, Saginaw, I did really good that same time of year. That's the, if you see any of those videos or pictures of me, like with my boat way up in the, way, way, way up in the reeds where you can't even see anything and I'm cutting trails and stuff. Uh, I did really well on largemouth there. I think I finished somewhere between third to fifth. Maybe I'm going to, I'm going to probably say I finished fifth in, in that event. Um, and I just slowly worked my way up. Now, with that being said, it was one on smallmouth in 2021. And then last year, the top two or three guys all had smallmouth. And I've never been able to – I only had one day of practice out there. I, I couldn't figure out the smallmouth. So I don't know exactly how I'll approach that one. But it can be fun if I'm able to get up in the reeds and catch the right side. Yeah. You can go up in the reeds and catch, catch 100 bats. a really nice deck and catch a pile of green ones. <laughs> you can catch a pile, but you can also set the hook all day long and only come in with 12 pounds. And these guys are catching five fish smallmouth, and they got 18, 19 pounds, and all they did was reel in five. So that's the tricky part there. The St. John's, interesting enough on the St. John's, is we're not going out of the same part of the river that any any national tournament's ever gone out of. We're going way, way, way down south on that. So. Backyard is where you're going out of. I mean, that. I think you're actually watching from his his house. Like, that's like house. way in Don Cox's backyard. <laughs> Yeah, so I will have been on the St. John's River with the elites prior to this in the year, but it's going on a completely different side of. So I don't know if I have if I'll learn anything on the elite side that helps translate into a good finish there. But uh, that one has got my. There was a got, regional there a few years ago that was in like September October, and they caught him. So I think there is potential. This could be a, a sneaky good tournament where we may see some things and, you know, bass eating mullet and, you know, different bait fish and some unique mm -hmm. things going on. That could make that a really interesting one to actually tune into. When a lot of the other live fishing is wrapped up for the year, I think that St. Well, honestly, Saginaw and St. John's could be really fun ones to watch on the MPFL. And then look at the Ozarks. It's kicking we them out. Up. We finished out the year of the of the opens there around that same time. Maybe it was a little bit earlier than that in October. And I, I was able to get a glimpse into, you know, some things that are special there. Um, and so I feel I feel centered on that one. I feel like I kind of have – I won't need to do any pre-practice. Like I said, I'm not going to do any pre-practicing at all in MPFL. Not because I don't want to do good, but because I need, a, I need to keep my, my instincts and intuition tuned in. And I'm going to use this as, as a tuning ground. So obviously you uh you know have been known for your your prowess with electronics and your your lineage back to your previous business and that kind of stuff. What is your boat motor still running the uh uh express this year? I I, I am not running express anymore. Okay. I, I've actually so, well get uh, run us through what's what's new? Bow to stern. Well, give us the breakdown. Bow to stern. Uh I don't have my boat yet. So there, there you go. So I don't have a full breakdown i got a mental breakdown of what it's going to be but i mean the truth of the matter is 
last year on Lake Champlain and St. Lawrence River, it was big water. It was rough. And the Express handled it well. I never speared a wave. You know, I got around everywhere. But there was a couple times on Champlain that I was out in the middle, and I mean, I couldn't even stand on my front deck uh, with the waves coming in, making my motor control motor come out of the water. And I'm trying to live scope fish, and just I look over, just a hundred yards over is Matt Robertson and, and Brock Mosley, and they're like like boat to boat like this without even a seat, and they're just stably, you know, dropping on fish. And the unfortunate reality of where we're at next year, we finish the season again, Champlain and St. Lawrence. And if this is my last season to fish the least, if it is, do I want to go out knowing that I'm handicapping myself? When we're running the St. Lawrence River, we're actually going out way in the river, which is an 80-mile run to the lake. I, I, I foresee in my mind if I have an express, I'm not even – I'm stressed about even making that. Like, I'm mind-blocked already. I'm overanalyzing. I can't even make it to the lake. I've cut that part out. Well, what if I have, I'm like, have to Matty Wong it next year and it comes down to the last day? You know, and, and I've already mentally blocked myself out and I can't, I don't want to have any hindrance. So, um, I've decided to move into a fiberglass, back into a fiberglass boat. And I've got a relationship with Blackbeard Marine out of Tulsa, uh, who in turn has a relationship with Blazer. And, uh, they gave me an opportunity to, to work with them and, and, to, and build me a boat. So I'm actually having a Blazer, uh, being built as we speak. Everything on my boat's get 21. It's a 650. Okay. So, you know, a lot of these guys like birds and stuff, they got 25. So they're like, you know, got three or four or five miles. And I don't know how much faster they go, but they're pretty, pretty dang fast. I needed to be, to me, I'm just a little bit bigger, want a little bit more comfort zone and stuff. So I got 21. Um, everything's Garmin. I think that uh -huh. Yamaha, Garmin, uh, Power Poles, uh, the Pro Guide. Uh, that I've always ran, and that's kind of my. That's about everything, right? So, so I guess just like four units, five units. Oh yeah. So in the past, I've always ran two twelves at the dash and a and a sixteen inch unit at the front, and every once in a while I'll throw a ten inch unit on there if I go up north and I want to run perspective to be able to see the flatter rock piles, like Oklahoma rock piles. You don't need that. But up north, the rock piles are a lot flatter, and you, you need to see those transitions a lot more. And so that perspective actually helps. Um, so I'm going to run um, two – I'm actually going down a step from a GPS maps to, to eco maps. A little bit of that is cost-friendliness, but also um, the Garmin guys that, are, that travel, that's what they have to, to help and repair. Um, I, I feel like – uh, so I'll have four 12s. I'll have two at the console and two at the trolling motor, and they'll do waterfall, you know, waterfall with each other, and I'll do a little bit more low profile so I can try to keep my uh, low profile, more low profile mounts. That should enable me to save a little bit more in fuel mileage and, and, and things that keep in, you know, maintain some speed. I'm looking to pick up some of that. Um, I've always gone with a GPS map 16 inch. I've got one for sale if anybody wants an 8616. It's in a box, it's probably got its warranty still brand new it's like it's ready to go for this year it's a $6,100 unit I'd probably let it go for like $5,000 but I've, I've decided that you know in my in the last few years I've had it up real high so I can see it real detail and I like the detail on it but I've also feel like maybe I'm over committing my mind to focusing on that 
And so I've decided to, to dumb it down a little bit, go with the eco maps. The returns on those are a little bit more brighter. They're a little bit more bald, if you will, a hard, like a more bald return than actually a detailed return. Um, and my thought process, and I hope I'm not wrong about this, my thought process is keeping those down away from me a little bit. Hopefully I can keep my mind freed up. It's like trying to do um, your paperwork when the TV's on. Like it's hard to it's hard to focus on your paperwork. I almost have that same feeling that I'm that bigger screen up higher for me is more of a distraction. And I've, I've got to have that balance and I want to maintain that balance. So I'm I'm getting it down there lower. You know, before Bioscope and stuff came out, I mean, you can see how I won Harris Chain. I, I'm, a, I'm a flipping frogging guy. I'm up in the creeks. I'm all over the place. And um, regardless of whether I'm going to use that in the tournament or not, I feel like I have to mentally have that freedom that I'm still preparing for that opportunity to be a Kyle Welcher, to be a, to fish like a Jason Christie. I mean, Jason Christie is the ultimate standard of, of how an Oki actually fishes. I mean, that's how we fish. And if you completely just cut that repertoire out of your system, I think mentally and emotionally it takes something out of your you know, the process that you need to diagnose what the fish are doing. Yeah, it's interesting. That's cool. Well, that's a big change. That's exciting. Yeah, I, I think Seth's running a blazer. I don't know if it's he's kind of leaked that in his Instagram post or there'd be a uh there's somebody else. So somebody else excited that they were gonna be the first blazer on tour and now there there's gonna be a few of them. I forget who that was, but um, let me just peek over at the. Is there anything that you want to touch on that we haven't uh, thought about yet? Well, I think Seth is going to be like the poster child for Blazer, and like when Seth's got a sore throat or something, and maybe he needs like some hot warm tea or something, I I got to be the guy that goes warms it up and brings it to him and says, "Here you go." So Seth. you'll like you'll throw a couple extra warm Mountain Dews in the back of your compartment in case he needs one at the way in or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's how the relationship, I think that's how, I think the back of his jersey says all-star and mine says grunt. I think that's, that's how underdog, it works out. Right? Underdog. Underdog, yeah. Well, Marsh Fishing is convinced that he's going to see you at the 2025 Classic. Well, if Marsh Fishing, if I make the 2025 Classic, come see me, remind me of this conversation, and I don't care what it is, a boat ride, a backstage pass, I'll get you whatever you get. Whatever you want uh, for the good good vibes that you're putting out there, man. I, I appreciate that. Stephanie did want to know what's your go-to bait and setup. Like what? Like what, what's your uh, what's your go-to? I don't know. Need one more keeper. Fill out a limit. What's what's your what? What rod are you reaching for? Obviously, it's all conditional, but just yep. in general, all conditional. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to give you two because you know I'm, I'm that way. So one's gonna be a jerk bait. Um, and the other one's going to be a shaky head on eight pound test line, eight to 10, depending on if I'm putting in a brush pile or if I'm going open water, but you give me those two tools. I think I could, I think I could fish the entire late season with those two tools. Nice. Um, eight ounce shaky head, seven inch worm, green pumpkin. It doesn't matter what color, as long as it's green pumpkin. You throw those both on spinning rods or spinning rod yeah it's a spinning rod guy i, I you know years ago obviously i tried the bait caster thing because it's you know that's what you want but i just i found that you can actually work the bait a lot better you know open spool let it fall tumble the way it needs to tumble spiral down you know those things like that are there's an advantage to having a spinning rod on that on that shaky head 
Jerk bait, I can do bait caster. I'm a jerk bait. Twelve pound. I'm more of a twelve pound test line guy. Yeah, might need a few packs of smokes for Seth in your back compartment in case he runs out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Andrew wants to know any bait sponsors for next year. Partners? Uh, no. Uh, listen, I, I was with Pradco for a couple years there, and they were extremely great to me. Extremely great. And it may have been the dumbest decision I made in my entire life not to resign with Pradco. It might have been. But what I found is it's very hard. I'm a very loyal person. And, and, I, and I would expect of myself the same thing I would expect from them to me. And me knowing that I was going to go into the bait business and I was going to have to promote all these different baits and brands, um, I felt like I was, it was going to muddy the water. So I stepped away from that. And so I don't have any any baits or anything of that uh, nature. Now, with that being said, what happened last year was one of my many things that happened negative is I bought a when Lucky Strike went through their cell, I bought basically their warehouse out. Okay, and when that process happened, um, I had told Pradco that I wasn't going to sign with them because I knew I was going there. And then the owner of Lucky Strike came to me and said, hey, man, like I want to make you an offer. You're going to be selling all this Lucky Strike. Why don't we co-brand, co-market? It sounded good. And I said, no, I said, well, make me an offer. I can't refuse. And he absolutely made me an offer that I could not refuse. And so I had signed with lucky strike after that going against my gut uh, feeling because I saw the dollar numbers that I saw come to find out the guy was a fraud and he wrote me two major hot checks that bounced. And uh, last thing I knew he got arrested and thrown in prison for fraud. So like I never got paid a penny. I lost this multi, multi six figure you know six figure a year uh income for the five-year contract like it was a it was a you know i went out there on tour thinking that i had everything covered and next thing you know that check bounces and the man goes to prison so um wasn't that wasn't pretty now with that being said i would never speak against lucky strike because toby keith since then has come in and bought the company and he's rebuilding they're, they're doing what their their thing is this is this is a different group of people that actually, you know, own it now and are operating it now. Still rocking the alpha, alpha angler rods. Yeah, still still working the alpha angler rods. Yeah. Nice. We actually developed a uh, heavier flipping rod, so they got like a um like a two version. Uh, and I got to use that when I was down in Florida at the end of the year, man, it is awesome. So I don't know if you guys are too much, uh, you know, heavier flipping or punching, but, um, that rod is, it's a bad dude. That man, it's exciting. It is exciting. It's all about the balance, man. They got it built the balance really, really, really well. Yeah. I, I'm a bit firm believer in balance. That's uh that's important for rods more than, than a lot of other things. Um, Jared says Zilla 2.0. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, I'm talking about the, the the mag hitter, and I don't know that they rebranded it as 2.0 or not. Um, and and it's got such a niche thing, and going into the winter the way we did, I don't think they've done a lot of marketing on it yet. But no, it's not the Zilla 2.0; it's it's the mag hitter 2.0, which they probably just named the mag hitter. So you said you like jerk baits. <clears throat> what uh, uh, is, is there one jerk bait, or do you got two or three that are in your heavy rotation, or? We lost the volume. I can't hear you. Did it die? 
gotta do some phone. Yep, you there? Yeah, I got you now. Yep, headset's died on me. Talk to you the headset. Trash. So, uh, jerkbait colors. Yeah, man, I, I keep it really simple. I do like a table rock uh, shad, you know, with the purple with the purple back. Um, I do a natural color, and uh, I do the OB shad uh, mega bass. It's it's got a translucent color, uh, kind of a gold side, and then the underbelly is orange. I love the orange in the in the winter time. I think that a lot of the fish that you see, their their gills are really bright red and orange in the winter time. I think it reflects a lot of that same that same kind of brightness. I don't know exactly how the bass see it, but to me it stands out a lot like that. So I get a lot of confidence in. So so mainly, to be honest with you, those two colors. And my third one would probably just be, you know, a bright, a bright white uh, jerkbait would probably be my third color option. A lot of Mega Bass 110s, you said? Yeah. Like. yeah, I'm a Mega Bass 110 uh, plus one a lot of times, uh, depending on if I'm in timber or not in timber. Um, a lot of times the, the plus one has nothing to do with wanting to get deep, but it bounces off limbs. Uh, there may be a, a bass that's sitting right next to um, the tree itself. And it's, let's say it's four foot down and there's another limb that's five foot, six feet beyond. Well, if you just put a regular 110 there and cast over it, you don't have room to twitch and get down to that fish. So you need it to kind of come straight down. So the, the plus one a lot of times allows it to do on that first pull this to go, you know, get down to where you need it to be. And, and, and so most of the time at this time of year, I'm throwing a plus one in the wintertime. I've, I've kind of grown whether I mean whether it's the mega bass or the rearrange like my go-to is to usually start with the plus one or the MR like the deeper one uh, most of the time myself like oh I feel like I got a lot of regular regular depth jerk baits that don't get much love and I'm using the the plus one style all the time now now what's unique though is like and I haven't fished Hartwell in the winter or anything like that but when you start getting into Hartwell the time of year that we're going and into the summer uh, a plus one unless they're really deep gives those fish too much time to look at it they're able to come up and observe it too much and so you don't even want to throw a plus one even those fish are 20 foot below the surface because you want them to have something that's flashing up higher and you know i've made a lot of mistakes trying to work a lot of fish i've got a lot of fish to come up and look and i spend time and time and time and i extend my cast and time and time and i just can't get them to lick it can't let them to eat it and you find that you just need to throw and keep it above them a lot higher move it a lot faster and then make one make the commitment to come up 20 feet and smoke it. So, you know, what we're talking about is not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily translate in every body of water. Um, but so I'm mainly speaking of, you know, my, my part of the world. Yeah, when you're looking at bait chasing fish, right? Like you almost want the shallower drink bait because that's almost a wake or a top water where they're, they're trapping it against the surface almost versus like if you're bringing it halfway down, then it's like, eh, they don't really feel like they've got an advantage maybe, or yeah, it kind of depends for sure. I think it goes back to a lot of KVD's theory on spinner baits and speed and keeping things up and not, you know, keeping where the flash versus being able to see the silhouette of the body. And I think all that stuff comes in uh, to play a lot more on jerk baits on those kind of bodies of water. I can see that. Um, I don't know. You got uh, you got any old school balsa you like to rotate in, or do you not do you not dabble with that kind of stuff? Uh, you, you know, no, no. To be honest with you, I mean, I do have some. I'm I'm not much of a shallow cranker. Not that I don't do it. I have 
I love the black label balsa stuff. Sure. Uh, stuff. And, and I've, that's probably my, what I lean more to, but I don't have any of the old school stuff. Um, I just never had it. My dad had it and I never even, you know, I never got really into it. So. Colby wants to know: You throw a swim jig much, uh, and what do you like a big box brand or a custom or what kind of swim jigs do you like? Most of the swim jigs I throw right now are just uh, I just custom stuff. I, I throw an Archie jig a lot that we hand that basically hand poured one of the guys that was working for me, and we made some green kind of green pump, more brown colored one. It was more of a brown jig, and I made a black and white, a black and blue jig, and I made a white jig. And so those are the three jigs that I bring with me. Um, I've got away from how I used to throw a football jig a lot um, locally, and I probably need to make sure I bring those back with me because like a Toledo bend could be a, it could be a Toledo, you know, I and mean, it could happen there. And back in those days, in that time of year, I used to, I love to throw a green jig and make sure that had the, you know, the small trace of orange in the skirt. And I like that because you can pull the orange out if you don't, but sometimes, man, it's weird how that little bit of orange in the, in the winter time and early spring can, can get you a bite over just a straight green pumpkin. But yeah, swim jig wise, it's just a kind of a standard jig. I mean, I got some good friends that make some good jigs, and but um, I, I just I don't know. I'll probably have two two another two years supply of the jigs that we've made. So there you go. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, speaking of football jigs, do you share the disdain for the Carolina rig that your buddy Panger does? No. What's funny about that is uh, I used to do really well with a Carolina rig really well uh and that's when i used to do a lot of bottom dragging so i'd throw a jig or a carolina rig uh, uh quite a bit it was the jig first but then when i felt like they were suspended i'd throw a carolina rig now with that being said as i began to fish more regionally and nationally i really didn't have the time to throw it if you will uh and i and somehow during this time period over the years i transferred into a more of a moving bait power fisherman more of a jerkbait guy more of a spinnerbait more of a chatterbait guy um, and when I do slow down, you know, it's, it's flipping or it's shaky heading. Uh, so with that being said, I have made a mental note to make the reemergence of the Carolina rig and make sure it's in my boat next year and throw it in some certain situations when I need to slow down. If I'm, I feel like I'm skilled enough in the open water scenario when I know I'm around fish, uh, you know, I know they're in that area and I can't see anymore. I can't catch them. I need to make sure that I spend a moment. Uh, and drag that Carolina rig down there where I can't see it. Cause that's where the fish are at. They're either gone or they're down at the bottom. So I need to prove that scenario out and you can cover so much more water, so much more water with the Carolina rig and you can feel the bottom a lot better. You can, I mean, you just, you hardly lose fish. It's just, it's a, it's an extremely good tool. Um, I mean, we make fun of it, right? Just like the sissy or rod or whatever with the, with the shaky head. But when it comes down to it, I've, caught one more money off of that little shaky head uh, at multiple tournaments i've caught a 17 pound bag with chatterbait in the springtime and then i beat them up so good i'm like well i'll go back behind myself with the shaky head and then cold every fish i had out at <laughs> the same area you know i enjoy the power fishing side of it but you know you got to have a couple follow-up baits and let's face it when you're anything deeper than 10 foot um but especially in the 15 to 25 range that Carolina rig is going to get down there and it's going to finesse float behind, but you can get down there with an ounce and a half weight and cover water way more than you could with a shake head. So that's, that's kind of out of the picture. 
Uh, quick mention that uh, only a couple days left to use the December code at Omnia if you want to get something. If you didn't get everything you wanted in your stocking and under the tree and you want a little self-gifting for Christmas, there's the code for December. Um, and then obviously the Arsenal fishing code. So Ray Cates, uh, co-angler, champ, Bass Nation guy, he looks like he's already qualified for the November Bass Nation National Championship in 2024. Any tips for him in November as a co on Grand? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, put a buzzbait on and don't stop. Don't put it down. And if you do, then pick up a jig uh, and just those it. That's it. I mean, you, you may only get, I don't know if they're weighing in three fish instead of five, but if so, like they can be five pounders. You can get three bites in a day and listen, they can come from anywhere in the water. Like you don't have to necessarily throw if your boater's got you locked off and he's got this point, he's got a hundred fish found at the point and he's throwing at it, he's throwing at it, throwing at it. Those fish in November can go from zero foot to uh, I've caught them 40 foot deep, 45 foot deep in that time of year from September to November. And they will spread out in the water column everywhere and they will, you know, begin to feed up. So like that, that buzz bait, if you want to spook, you know what I mean? Go ahead. But I mean, for covering water um, and you're in the back of the boat, and you don't have control over the speed of the boat, man, a buzz bait. And if he gets around docks or something like that, you can then throw a jig and and you can throw it and, and, and dude, be honest with you three-quarter ounce jig don't play if you're behind a boater and he's moving the boat you're not going to have control over the presentation of your bait so like most of the time if your boater is flipping a quarter ounce jig or something like that like he's already given the ones that are feeding a chance to feed now you got to go for the reaction bite so put a daggum three-quarter ounce jig on them give them the pop and hop and you know stroke some stroke some bass out behind and freak the boater out i mean nothing's more frustrating than the guy behind you throwing a big old bait and catching giants Absolutely. And obviously a bunch of the open guys made hay with three quarter ounce jigs this year for sure. Um, cool. All right. Well, appreciate you coming on, John. Uh, no, good stuff. I think you covered a lot of ground. Got some, we got some nuts and bolts fishing. We, we talked some real life stuff. We talked about your plans for next year. And I think people are excited to follow along and uh, see how this unfolds. Man, I, I can't thank you enough for get, letting me get out of my shell. No more hiding in the dark. No more complaining to myself about everything that's going on. And, I can just come out and crown myself the greatest underdog and I can do it on hella bass live. What's yeah. better than that? Yeah. appreciate it. And uh, if you guys didn't get all your questions answered today, you'll be on uh, with tin horse Monty next week with Gabe. So um, yeah, appreciate it. We're going to, we're going to go live here in about seven minutes on the members. So if you guys uh, are members, hop back on, uh, there's still time to join. If you'd like, you just hit the hide chat button. There's a little join button. If anybody's interested in hopping on uh, for that, but uh, yeah, uh, excited to see you back and excited about things, John. And uh, I think there's a bunch of people in chat rooting for you in, in 2024. So I appreciate it, Rich, man. I need, I need it. I really do. I'm not too big, bad, and bold not to not to tell you guys. I need the support, and I, and I love every minute of it. I really appreciate it. Yeah, lots of positive comments here. Feel free. Uh, you can. I'm sure John will take all those positive comments or on Instagram and Facebook. I think everything is John Sukup fishing, right? Pretty much on Instagram. John Sokup Fishing. A lot of times, John Sokup Fishing Pro. I've had some pages that have been hacked. This does. I had to go from John Sokup to John Sokup Fishing to John Sokup Fishing Pro. But if there are some haters on here, I got a place where they can shove it. I mean, I'm about to brace in the, the haters right now. I've had some Here's guys. What I always say, John, know. engagement is engagement. If they're going to take the mm -hmm. time, it's good for your socials. Comments are comments. The, the algorithm doesn't know whether they're being mean or positive. So you can I just, think it does. I, I think the algorithm just loves it. Accept the engagement. <laughs> yeah, I made a post releasing a 10 pounder about a week ago, 
It's got like 200,000 views on it. And it's just me releasing a, a, a 10 pounder in slow mode. And, this, and the fish does a, we, we got the camera underwater and above the water at the same time. And we see the fish jump and go out of the water and do a backflip and land. And I just thought it was the coolest release that we've ever got on camera. And it's a 10 pounder, by the way. And all I got was haters. I even had the vegans coming after me, picking me, <laughs> picking on me, uh, literally a vegan group about the way I was holding the fish, releasing the fish. And you know what, with my like renewed mentality now, like before last year, I would have just deleted the people, blocked people, go on. And now honestly, I'm in a better place. I'm able to laugh at it, have fun. And uh, that's just what we're going to do with this season when it comes to the negativity, because it's, it's out there. Well, as always, always here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.